back amongst you all again. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. And uh, yes, the weather has been uh, pretty impressive lately, hasn't it? But it is nice to see some possible rain. It's always nice to see as well. So uh, <clears throat> I've been asked to, I, I, my understanding is that this is something new. We're starting something new today. Yep, this is exciting. No pressure. I've got to get this right. We've got to, I've got to get the intro part right, but otherwise the whole thing falls apart. So um, hopefully uh, this comes out well. Let me, let me pray before I do anything because uh, I don't want it to be me that, that says too much today. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for your word and uh, I just ask, Lord God, that you are the one that speaks today. Um, Lord, I have nothing apart from Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. And I pray that we can be encouraged today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I guess, yeah, by, by way of introducing uh, Colossians, the first uh, eight verses are really just sort of Paul uh, setting things up and introducing himself because uh, um, Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus. By the will of God. This is not something that he chose. And I'm sure many of us know the story of Paul who was once Saul. That he dedicated his life with the blessing of the Jewish leaders to persecute, arrest and if need be kill Christians. And when we read Acts chapter 7... When they stone Stephen, they lay their cloaks at a man called Saul, a young man called Saul. He was there approving of this stoning of Stephen. But this, uh, this man, Saul, who changed his name to Paul, his life changed in a very dramatic way. And I, continue, I encourage you to continue to read through the book of Acts to see what God does to this man and he meets Jesus on a road, on, Saul is on his way to persecute, to imprison Christians and Jesus appears to him on that road. A miraculous story. This changes this man's life. He goes from someone who has made it his life mission to go and arrest and kill Christians to becoming one of the greatest leaders within the church. One of the greatest missionaries the church has ever seen. We have a lot to thank Paul for. Because he started this global mission. The church was very much hiding away in Jerusalem. But when Paul comes, things change. This letter also mentions Timothy. Timothy is a companion of Paul. <clears throat> he goes on many of the mission trips that Paul goes on. He's uh, younger than Paul. And what we know is that the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy are written to this particular Timothy. Because at one point in time, Paul decides that it's best to leave Timothy in Ephesus to be an encouragement and a leader within the church in Ephesus. And he writes those letters to Timothy. So at this point in time, we're led to believe that Paul is actually imprisoned and Timothy is there 
and they're writing this letter together. We also have Epiphas. That's a hard name to say, but my lecturer has told me just say words you don't know with confidence. Uh, <laughs> Epiphras. Now, this is interesting because as much as Paul was the one going out there doing all these mission trips and planting all these churches, he did not plant this church. It was Epiphas. He was a friend and companion of, of Paul, but at this particular moment, he, he's the one who goes to Colossia and plants this church. And what it tells us in these first few verses is that Paul has never actually visited this church. All he knows is that about this church is what Epiphas has told him. And he's encouraged by what he hears. He hears about their great faith. And he's encouraged by it. But in saying that, the main reason why Paul writes this letter is that he is concerned about some of the false teaching that is starting to creep into the church. Gnosticism was very prominent at this time, which is a branch of Christianity, I guess you could say, but it's very much in its simplest form is that everything that is spiritual is good and holy and righteous, but everything that is physical is evil. So they question, they reject, well, they rejected the fact that Jesus was an actual man. And they also believed that salvation was gained through this secret spiritual knowledge that it wasn't just Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead that there was something else that you could gain through secret knowledge and Paul is challenging this and this letter really does focus on the divinity of Christ but also his humanness see I want to focus on verses 9 through to 14, but before we get to that, I, I, I find verses 3 to 4 encouraging. So I just want to read those two. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. I think uh, as the leaders possibly read this letter out to the congregation, how encouraging that would have been to hear. That this is a church that is known for their faith in Christ and their love for all of God's people. Let us be a church that is known for our faith in Jesus Christ and our love for all God's people. Since I last came and shared with you, some things have changed for the Wileys in that I think last time I, I, I was here I was working at Kendall Public School. I was also doing some work at Telegraph Point Public School as a chaplain. Now I am working at the Christian school, let's just call it that, uh, the Christian school in Tyree, Mid Coast Christian College. Even I have to stop and think about that one. That just uh, <clears throat> So I get to, well I haven't, I haven't really seen Nev a great deal, he's been wussing it at home with his feet up, doing nothing. Get to hang out with Beck, she bosses me around a little bit, not really, she's lovely. But it's such a privilege to be able to go to a place again. I haven't had this for a few years where I'm actually amongst believers. When I, re when I read this, 
you know, I, I, I'm encouraged and I, I'm, I'm actually reminded of the school in that the school is known for a place, a place that is filled with people of faith. But there is love there for all of God's people. We are a group of people from all different backgrounds and places and denominations, yet there is a great deal of love. And I can imagine that here, for many of you, you've come from different backgrounds, different churches, different denominations, different expressions of faith. I've visited many churches. I've been involved in many churches. But I've never experienced the love that you guys have anywhere else. But I want to focus on verses 9 through to 14. And there's three things I want to sort of pull out of that so that uh, we, can, we can be encouraged today. Firstly, is that God makes it possible for us to live for him. Secondly, that God produces fruit in us. And thirdly, that all things are possible because God rescued us. So firstly, God makes it possible for us to live for him. Verses 9 through to 10, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that's as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now this word knowledge in the Greek, it's not just this head knowledge or feeling, it's this deep, thorough knowledge of God and his will for our lives. And it says here, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, where does this spiritual wisdom and understanding come from? Well, this is revealed in his word. God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It can only be understood by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this knowledge of God's will comes from God's word, which is understood by the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes from him. See, Paul is speaking against this false teaching that is creeping into the church. There is this secret kind of knowledge that we must try and find. No. It's all revealed in Jesus Christ through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a false teaching which is starting to creep into the church once again. We hear it of preachers that have a, a new word, a new message from God, something that's been revealed to them and nobody else. No. The truth is in God's word. You see, I've not been, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked, what is God's will for my life? And a lot of young people want to know that, don't they? They want to know, what is, what's God going to do for me in my life? I spend a lot of time with young people, helping them work out what God's called them to. It's not, it's not that hard when you start to unpack and read God's word. Love God. 
love others, give thanks, give generously. More specifically, it talks about things like be a godly husband, be a godly wife, be a godly child. Respect your boss and work in a way that glorifies God. This is God's will for your life. And when we were umming and ahhing about whether we should move back to Taree after living in the Highlands for close to five years, a friend of mine said to me, uh, Luke, the Lord will use you no matter where you are. When we submit to God and his word, that's when we can live lives worthy of the Lord. Let's desire to live a life that is fully pleasing to God, living according to his word and led by the Holy Spirit. Because when we do this, we will produce fruit. But also this tells us that we will continue to grow in the knowledge of God. Amen. You see, it's a little bit like this. I know my wife. That's my wife over there, by the way. Jennifer's her name. We haven't met her before. We've been married for 21 years. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Is that right? 21? I think it's 21 years. We actually, some of you would remember Hannah Lynch. And one time, uh, Jen and I were, were, were in, uh, in Melbourne for, for something, and um, our anniversary came. And we got a call from Hannah Lynch to wish us a happy anniversary. Both of us had absolutely no idea. We completely forgot that it was our anniversary. So look, it's, I don't feel so bad when I forget because she forgets just as much as me. Uh, but it's been 21 years that we've been married. And I, I know my wife. I, I know what she likes, what she dislikes, or at least I think I do most of the time. She knows me. I hope and pray, though, that we get to spend another 30 or more years together. And in doing that, we'll get to know each other even better. It's the same with God. You want to really know this God? Spend time with him. He's gone to... I say to my students all the time, because I'm now teaching biblical studies to 16 classes, and I tell them all the time, God has gone to an awful lot of effort for you to know who he is. Pray to him. Spend time with other believers and increase your knowledge of him. This leads into that second point that God produces fruit in us. At the end of verse 10 it says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. You see, spiritual fruit is just a byproduct of living a righteous life, a life that is right in the eyes of God, which is only possible through Christ and the Holy Spirit in us. Now elsewhere in the Bible, when it talks about spiritual fruit, it identifies a few things. It talks about leading people to Christ is spiritual fruit. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Praising God is spiritual fruit because that's something we cannot do without God himself. Hebrews 13, 15. Giving to others. Romans 15, 26 and 27. Living a godly life. Hebrews 12, 11. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5. This particular passage in Colossians, it tells us that endurance and patience with joy are fruit. But how is this possible? We are able to endure as God strengthens us with his power according to his glorious might. God is the one that produces fruit in us and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his might alone that that is possible. We're also told here to thank the Father. Why? Well, he has made it possible through Jesus for us to share in this inheritance of the saints. Instead of receiving God's wrath because of sin, we are now children of God, heirs with Christ. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 8 and says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we produce fruit because of what Christ has done, what Christ has done for us on the cross. And when we submit to God and his word, we will produce fruit in accordance with the word of God and the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, all this is possible because God rescued us. It says in verse 13, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That was read out earlier. We have been delivered from the kingdom of this world and transferred to Jesus' kingdom, which is not of this world. Again, false teaching creeping into the church that it's our job to take over this world. Now we're to be part of Christ's kingdom, which is none of this world. And your mission is to go and to preach the gospel so that people can be saved. We are part of this kingdom now. It's not something that you enter into at death. It is something that you are part of now. And we may not yet see it in its full glory. But at this point in time, we are ambassadors for Christ as we wait for his return. We represent Christ here in this world. But we are part of his kingdom. As 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. I sometimes have to scratch my head and go, Lord, in your infinite wisdom, why is it that you have decided to use us to get this message out? Because we're not always that great at it. Why don't you just tell them? Why don't you come again and do it for us? 
God knows God knows that he must use us but we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit and I hold on to Christ's words that I do not do this alone that he's with me always working at the Christian school going from public schools and then working in Christian schools it's obviously very different but what I've realised is coming into the Christian school that there's probably a good 70% of the students at that school who do not know Christ and it's a different struggle because a lot of these kids have become just very blase about it because they hear it every day and I've asked another teacher to preach at our next chapel service for high school. And I said to him, no matter what you do, no matter what topic we're looking at, make sure you preach the gospel. And we talked about how some kids are going to just be like, yeah, whatever, heard this before. But I, I said to him, mate, keep thinking of different ways that you can preach the gospel because there just could be one way that we preach at one particular chapel service and one student gets it. Then it's worth it. But I constantly have to remind myself every time I walk into a class and I pray before I go in and I'm usually praying during it, particularly when it's 8B. <laughs> she, knows what I'm talk- she knows what I'm talking about. Okay? They are a difficult class. But you know what? They need the gospel. And I'll keep preaching it. And and basically what I've decided to do in my biblical studies classes as we work through the Old Testament, looking at Adam and Eve, looking at the flood, looking at Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, is preaching Jesus. That all these stories point to Christ. And the message that I try to, to preach is that in Christ, we are redeemed. And the word used here for redeem, redemption, is a Greek word that is used to refer to freedom given to former slaves. We were once slaves to sin. Now we are free. And we're also forgiven. Our sin is no longer held against us because of what Christ did for us on the cross. The debt has been paid See, guys, God has made it possible for us to live for him. Submit to God and his word and get to know him so you can live according to his will. As you do this, God will produce fruit in you. You will have a desire to want to serve him and to serve others and to know him more with patience and joy. All this is possible because God rescued you. Jesus has saved you from the consequences of your sin. You are now a child of God and a recipient of God's inheritance. Let's live a life that reflects the fact that you have been redeemed, set free and forgiven. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that we can be saved through the blood of the Lamb, just like what we remembered this morning.
as we had communion. Lord, help us to live a life that reflects that. But Lord, this is something that we can't do alone. We need you to help us to live a life that glorifies you. And Lord, help us to be able to share the truth of Jesus Christ with love and respect, with gentleness. Give us the courage to be true ambassadors of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.